Well, I wasn't expecting our former bishop to be with us this morning. I know he was scheduled to preach at another church, and they're dealing with quite a bit of sickness there. So when he showed up and I saw him, I said, uh-oh, now i got to behave. So I'm not going to act like I had planned on acting this morning, okay? I just want you to know that, all right? <laughs> he said, thank you, Jesus. He knows. Uh, before I get into it this morning, uh, a couple of announcements. First of all, since you got an extra hour of sleep this morning, I get to preach an extra hour. Is that okay? Now, now y'all are lying, okay? I know you're not, you're not serious about that. Um, second, I do want to just reiterate what our brother shared with missions today, the, the graciousness of our almighty God. How many of you have been to the grocery store lately and realized that your money didn't go quite as far as it's been going? Matter of fact, I can name anything, and it seems like our money doesn't go as far as it's been, uh, has gone in the past, yet here's what I see God doing in his church. Missions keeps going up. The, the people of God realize that their faithfulness to his work comes first. And I want to applaud you for that. I want to say this morning that I celebrate. We have our World Missions Director for the Cornerstone Conference. is Pastor Keith Gillum. Actually served as his youth pastor for many years. It's a long time ago. And, uh, but we were already celebrating that over $300,000 has come in this year for the global outreach, and there's still churches that haven't reported yet. And that's the first time ever in Cornerstone Conference history that over $300,000 is good. Can we give God praise for that? That helps plant churches all over the world and here in the United States as well. All that you're doing for people and people, I just want to celebrate you. Thank you for your continued faithfulness to kingdom work. How many of you know we cannot go wrong as we continue to put God first. That's kind of how he designed it, is it not? He said he will meet all of our needs according to his riches in glory, what? Through Christ Jesus. So that's who we're depending on. Is that who you're depending on? I hope so. I hope we're not depending on the, the government. I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking government. Uh, Y'all, I'm about to step on toes. I don't, I don't get off here and... Share what I came here to share today, okay? Praise the Lord. All right, let's just take a moment and pause, okay? This is a beautiful crowd this morning. Beautiful crowd. But can we just be honest? October was an emotional roller coaster probably for Stoneville. Is that fair to say? I mean, y'all had revival. Pastor Randy came here. I, I looked at a little bit online and preached his heart out. I saw these altars full with people seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of you seeking a refilling of the baptism. How many of you know we need that refilling every day? Every day. And then you get the news that your under-shepherd is being called back home or South Carolina, right? So what an emotional roller coaster. I want to share with you today that um, I've been there. I've grown up in church nine months before I was born. You know, mama carried me there and was drugged there for many years by my parents. And I had pastors leave that I loved, that I'd grown close to, that I'd sat in their home and shared meals with them. 
And then they show up one day and say, God's called me elsewhere. That is not easy to deal with. It's not easy to deal with. And I've, I've been on the other side of it where I built relationships with people that I love that God had called me to shepherd. And then I get this unction in, the, in my spirit that the Holy Spirit is saying, Jonathan, your time has come to an end. I'm going to lead you somewhere else. And I read in the Bible where there's a lot of folks that, that fought that unction to, to leave or didn't want to go to a certain city or didn't go, want to go to a certain place and, and refused to do it at times, and it didn't work out too well. But I understand the pain and the hurt of leaving people that you love, that you've invested your time and energy and you've sought God's face for and you've, you've prayed over them. I understand that hurt and pain as well from, from this side of the pulpit, if you will. And it's not easy either way. So I want us to start today with the reality that this is an emotional time. For many folks, maybe those of you watching online and, and you're experiencing that same thing as well, and you're wondering, well, I don't know if I'm going to show back up to church. I, I just don't know how I'm going to deal with this. There's all range of emotions, good, bad, and in between. So no matter what you showed up with today, let's be honest and say, God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to speak to me. I want to hear from you, Lord, because nobody loves you more than your Savior. And let's get this out of the way. God has somebody in store for you. I just turned 49 in October, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I've got to live this last year before I hit the big 50. But here's what I've learned in 49 years. Everything does not rise and fall on your under-shepherd. This word does not say it is his church. It says it's his church, God's church. It's your Savior's church. And I read where he says, upon this rock, he was talking to Peter, but he says, I will build my church that should give you relief. It should, it should relieve a lot of pressure because here's the thing, I've already seen people, what, what a beautiful group up here leading in worship and you've had people come up and say, hey, I'll help you fill in and I'll, I'll help you through this time. Thank you all for that. Thank you, amen. But this is God's church. Don't forget it. It's not your leadership team's church. It's not whatever pastor. It's not even bishop. Man. He's, how many years have you invested in this place over, over the multiple times you've been here? 15 or more years. But it's, it's not Bishop Marley's church. It's not. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's his. Can we all agree on that? Amen. So here's the thing. When God gives an outpouring of his spirit, how many of you know the enemy takes notice? And the enemy is looking for every opportunity to do what? He's seeking to kill, to steal, and to destroy. 
He likes all three. And when a time like this takes place in the life of a church, and it happens to every church because every single pastor is an itinerant pastor, no matter how long they've been there, they're an itinerant pastor. Most pastors die before the church does, right? The church continues on. So with that in mind, the enemy is looking for a way, and you guys have been through it before. You've been through this process. It's not an easy process always. But the enemy is looking for a way to get in and to divide and conquer you as the body of Christ. He sees this as an opportunity to say, well, I'm going to get into hearts and I'm going to build dissension and I'm going to grow a seed of bitterness. I'm going to let their emotions take over instead of the scriptures. I'm going to let their, their, their own wants and desires take over versus their prayers and their obedience to God. And he sees this as an opportunity. Now, because we know that, we can better prepare ourselves. Because we know that, we can prepare our hearts to say, not today, Satan. Will somebody say that with me? Not today, Satan. And that goes for tomorrow and Tuesday and Friday and the rest of the day. All of those days, we've got to say, not today. Not today. I've been... In situations like this, and I want to share with you from my heart today that because I can relate to this, I, I feel the hurt that some of you are going through, but I also feel the joy and the excitement. As Zeb said this morning, he's already looking forward to what God's got in store. How many of you know that God is in the growing business and he wants to grow us through these tough times so that we come out stronger in the long run? That's exactly what God is looking for, and that's what I want to encourage you with today. Have you ever quoted Matthew 18.20 like I have? Matthew 18.20 says this, where two or three are gathered, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I would say if I titled this message today, where two or three are gathered, now, we exceed that number this morning, but can I confess to you this morning as a pastor, I've had prayer meetings. How many of you know prayer meetings aren't when you expect your greatest number of people to show up, okay? That's just a reality. I don't like it, but it's true. And I've been that pastor that where we had two or three people show up for prayer meeting, literally, and my first instinct was to quote Matthew 18, 20. Well, folks, in my mind, I'm going, this is depressing, but I didn't tell them that. I said, well, hey, where two or three of us are gathered in his name, he's going to be here in the midst. Well, I want to challenge you and challenge myself this morning because the reality is that we're really taking that out of context of what Jesus was saying and the topic that he was discussing when he said those words recorded by Matthew. So if you're turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, I'm going to begin reading verse 15 this morning, and we're going to look at the context. How many of you know that context is king? We have to understand it's easy to take one verse of Scripture or a couple of verses and turn it into mean whatever we want it to mean, and we're guilty of it all the time. Somebody say, oh, me. We're guilty. 
I've been guilty. We've all done it. But the context here we're going to look at in just a moment as we read Matthew 18, beginning of verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Do you see where we're beginning to talk about? This is forgiveness. This is a brother or sister in Christ who has hurt us, who has sinned against us. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, uh-oh, tell it to the church. Can I just say, that don't mean call up your buddy <laughs> and telling it to your friend on the phone. This is a very systematic way that Jesus is laying out how we should forgive one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, brothers and sisters, that's strong words right there. That's strong words, is it not, from our Savior? Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We take that verse and single it out as well, but it's in the context of forgiving a brother or sister in Christ. And then he says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. He's saying, when two or three of you are dealing with this tough subject of forgiveness, of hurt, of brokenness, between a brother or a sister in Christ, or really between anyone, here's the thing. When you go through the systematic way of taking care of this hurt, of forgiving someone else, God says, I'm going to show up right in the middle of that. I'm going to be there to help both sides deal with this because when you do it God's way, you can trust in his promises. Now, it may not happen as fast as you want it to. It may not happen exactly how you want. One party may receive it before the other, but God says, I'm going to be there if you're willing to do it the way I have taught you to do it. Jesus is specifically helping us understand that we will have our brothers and sisters hurt us at some point in time. You ever been hurt in church? Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't even raise your hand. Because I pretty much can say I know with certainty you've been hurt at some point in time in church. How many of you know we're hurt the most by people we love the most? Or that we have the highest expectation. That's why our spouse can hurt us so much. Because we have a higher expectation. We, we, we know them better, and when they hurt us, it stings that much harder. The same thing when we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's the deal is when we hurt each other, it becomes that much more harder to forgive. Matthew refers 
to Jesus. He records his words here. He, and he, notice that Jesus only uses the term church, if you will, twice in the New Testament. Isn't that interesting? One time Matthew records it that he's talking about the gates of hell cannot prevail against, guess whose who's church? His church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against God's church. And then he records it here. And he talks about that we're dealing with broken relationships, with unforgiveness. And church family, we are prone to hurt one another. As I've said, he's talking about that this is what the church is all about. Why, why would he use the term church in this scenario? Because everything our church is built on is based on forgiveness. Because we are nothing without the forgiveness, the shed blood of Jesus. What distinguishes us as Christians, as children of God, is that we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he went to a cross, shed his blood, so that we may be saved. That is all about forgiveness. We come into a right relationship with Jesus when we admit that we are a sinner. and in need of his perfect sacrifice. That relationship is built on forgiveness, and therefore God expects us to do the same as he did for us. Forgiveness. Church, can I encourage you? Church leadership, can I encourage you? In this next season, as you begin to look and pray and search for the man of God that God has in store here. Here's what I want to ask you. Posture yourself in this way that you understand it's not your church. Some people think because they've given the most, this is my church. Some people think because they've been here the longest, this is my church. I, I can give you scenario after scenario that as time goes on and you begin to, to have to lead the congregation Looking for this under-shepherd, oftentimes our own wants are thrown into the mix. And it's very easy for us to offend one another. And that's a popular word today, but it's true. We get offended, we get hurt. Or matter of fact, we may even sin against our brother and sister because of the, the bitterness in our heart towards them because they don't see things the way we want them to see them. They don't like the same things that we do. And how many of you realize that's called life? Look at your neighbor and say, thank God you're different than me. Mm -hmm. I did not want to marry Jonathan Hill. I did not. And that's why I stepped the bar up and married Sarah. Amen. Praise God for that. I didn't want to marry Jonathan. I wanted somebody different than me. I wanted somebody that had strengths that I don't have. Hopefully, I had a couple of things that she didn't have that, that I could help strengthen her, and that's what it's about. And as the body of Christ, we are different and unique. And the beautiful thing about God's uniqueness for all of us is that if we will come together in his name, we can strengthen one another and be so much stronger than we could be on our own. Amen? Forgiveness. The biblical story between God and man it's about 
forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He didn't stop there, did he? He's just reiterating. Sometimes we need to be reminded over and over. He says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. It's easy to receive, Lord, I need forgiveness. But now, mm, I got to talk to you about them. I just don't know that I can go there, Lord. All of us have got our issues that we've dealt with as we have lived as human beings on this earth, the difficulty to forgive, the difficulties to overcome things that people have hurt us, things that people have said, things that people have done. Yet he lays it out very quickly and very succinctly. He says, I've forgiven you. You must forgive them. One reason we are to be and filled with the spirit of the living God is so that Days like this. See, we want to rejoice and jump and, and, and God be the glory when we have those opportunities to do that and we should do it more and more and more and give God the glory for him filling us. But see, there's a mountaintop, but I also know that there's a valley. And there's the climbing back up to the mountaintop and everything in between. And the truth is that God wants to fill us with his spirit because not only does he want us to rejoice in, in the mountaintop, but he wants us to be able to come out stronger than ever before when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death that we don't have to fear because his spirit is inside of us. Are you with me, church? Thankfully, God has given us a way to handle our sins against one another. What a promise that in difficult times, that if we will be willing to lay down our pride, to go to our fellow brother or sister and say, listen, you said this. It may have been a year ago. It may have been five years ago. Some of you have got uh, elephant memories. I mean, you don't forget anything, Right? And then you can, that's, that's what happens in marriages sometimes. You've got one spouse, they remember everything, and they can recall it amazingly. And then some of got spouses where they forget if it happened last night. What are you talking about? I don't remember that, right? We're all, we, we, we've got different personalities and different memories. But here's the thing. God's mercies are new every single morning, and we know that. But yet there's times when God calls to our memory and says, you are still carrying some bitterness in your heart and I need to deal with it and you're going to have to lay your pride down and you're going to have to go and you're going to have to meet that person face to face and you're going to have to ask for their forgiveness. They may have been the one that hurt you, but the truth is because you're carrying the bitterness and you're not laying it down and you're not giving it at the feet of Jesus, now you have got to be the one to apologize and that is not easy. It's not easy. There's going to be conflict in a church. Is that a shocker? <laughs> There's going to be conflict. There's going to be things said. There's going to be hurt. But listen, God says if you'll handle it the way I have taught you to handle it, 
my son set the example, if we would just be in the habit and the posture of saying, you know what, this hurt me, I need you to forgive me, or I need to forgive you, however it comes, you go to that person and you take care of it, the sooner the better. And if it's serious enough that they will not listen, you get a brother in Christ, not that you're gang. That sounds like you're kind of gang up on somebody, doesn't it? But how many of you know there's people that are wayward, even in the church, that they don't even see the error of their ways, and you need somebody to say, listen, we have come together, we have prayed about this, and we just want to call this to your attention. We think that you need to pray about this and see if you understand why this could be causing issues. And there's times when it gets so deep that that person rejects that brotherly and sisterly love. And then Jesus says, we got to bring it before the church. Now, how uncomfortable is that? Jesus is saying, we've got to get this, this out in the air. This is going to hinder us from moving on. But he also says, but I'm going to show up right in the middle of that. If you're doing it with a righteous heart, I'm going to show up and I'm going to help you move past this. And how many of you know when you forgive somebody, it gives an opportunity for you to embrace them and grow in love like never before. But when you harbor hurt and pain and unforgiveness inside of you, it prevents you from moving forward. And we see too many folks, even in God's own houses of worship, that are miserable because they're dying of not a literal cancer, but of an unforgiveness cancer that is slowly eating away at their body. Their heart, their very soul. And they're wondering, why is my life like this? It's because they haven't handled unforgiveness like Jesus has laid out for them. Matthew 18, says, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant? This is a parable that Jesus goes on to share. Just as I had pity on you and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And Jesus goes on to say, so my heavenly father also will do to each of you. If not from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Let me underline a, a critical phrase there, from his heart. How many of you know sometimes it's easy to forgive immediately? Oh, I forgive you. But then the enemy gets a hold, and you go home and you try to sleep on it, and he keeps bringing it back to your memory. Are y'all with me? And over and over again, and as the week goes on, because you haven't dealt with it, because, because you, you said, I forgive you flippantly, but you hadn't really allowed the Holy Spirit to let it process, and, and you really mean that, and the next thing you know, it's not, it wasn't from your heart. It was just that I just want to get out of this situation because it's uncomfortable, but yet the enemy begins to use it against you, and it, and it begins to grow a seed of bitterness inside, and we don't release. We don't. Forgive truly from the heart. Jesus is reminding that forgiveness is a heart issue. I can say, Lord, forgive me because I'm upset of the sin I got caught in. Anybody ever done that? I got caught. Yeah, forgive me. 
That's how I grew up as a teenager. Oh, Lord, I got caught. They found out what I did. Forgive me, Lord. I don't want to go to hell. Right? Over and over and over again, I, I was on repeat because I didn't understand that this was a heart issue. I was going through emotion, not emotion. I was going through a motion of just posturing myself and say, Lord, just forgive me. Don't send me to hell because I got caught. See, it wasn't, it wasn't a heart about relationship. And until I got to that place where I understood that, Lord, I, I've got to lay myself down as a living sacrifice to you because that's exactly what you did for me. You laid yourself down, a living sacrifice. So, Lord, I'm living on this earth, but I'm yours. That's a heart thing. That's a heart relationship. Scripture goes on to tell us how many times are we to forgive our brother or sister? Does anybody remember them? I'm not a good mathematician, but does anybody, I, I hear a couple of people, does anybody want to say it a little bit louder? How many times? Seven times. Seven. How, how many does that multiply, multiplication add up to? 490 times. That's a lot. But do you know what is interesting to me is, is some of us have had 490 various offenses happen to us. People have probably sinned against some people in here 490 plus times, different sins from all different angles. But the hardest one is, as he's talking about here, is sometimes we have to be willing to forgive the same sin against us from the same person 490 times because the enemy will keep replaying it over and over and over. And we have to wake up with the mercies of God and say, Lord, I know I told you I have forgiven them, but Lord, I need your strength today because when I show up to church next Sunday, I'm going to see their face and I know it's going to be difficult for me. Do you know why I think that one of the many reasons why God says to not neglect the fellowship of the saints like we're doing today is because if you've got somebody in this room that has offended you whenever it was, you have to deal with it every week. If I, for all of you watching online, wherever you are, I, I watched online during COVID, I, I get it. It's a great tool for shut-ins, on and on and on. But folks, let me tell you something. We need to be back together because part of understanding the Christian walk is when we come to our brothers and sisters in Christ and we realize that they hurt us at some point in time and we can go up to them and say, man, I forgive you. And they don't even know it was the 297th time you've had to forgive them. Did you catch that? Do you understand how healing that is in your own soul? They don't even realize that you're still carrying around that hurt, but the mercies of God that are renewed every day, he's showing up, he's saying, it's just a reminder of how much my forgiveness should mean to you because I still need his each and every day. When I wake up, I recognize very quickly this old mind up here can go to some ugly places. Come on. I get hurt like everybody else. When you're behind a pulpit, you get more arrows shot than the average person. Come on. And the reality is, is that I have to guard my heart. So here's what I want to do. I've got a two-minute video. 
I've shared this video not too long ago with a church that's in the same position as you. They're looking for their under-shepherd. And I dealt with the same subject on forgiveness, went a different way than kind of what I'm sharing with you today. But, but this video I cannot get away from. Maybe it's just because it impacts me so greatly. But I think it's one of the most powerful modern-day examples of forgiveness, not necessarily from a Christian to another Christian, but from a Christian to somebody who didn't profess Christianity from what I can find out from my research. But I want you to see this two-minute video, and I want it to, to stir your heart as it stirred mine. I pray it does. As a vivid reminder from now and for the days ahead that this church body can grow stronger and stronger the faster and the more often we're willing to forgive one another. Can you guys share that for me? I forgive you. And if you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. Can you pause it right there? And I, I wasn't going to ever say that. Let me give you a quick backstory so you know how powerful this is. And I apologize I didn't do that to begin with. You may have seen this story a few years ago where a former police officer, a young lady who had finished a 15-hour shift, in her statement says she was coming home to her apartment complex. She thought she was going in her own apartment door. When she opened the door, there was a man inside what she thought was her apartment. This is what she's saying. She thought it was an intruder. She commanded him to stop, which if I'm in my own house and you walk in my house and command me to stop, probably not going to stop. You shouldn't be in my house. That's how I look at it, right? That's just me. So she proceeds to give him the command to stop. He does not. And she fires her service weapon, killing a man in his own apartment. She thought, in her words, she was opening the door to her own apartment. 15-hour shift she had been on. She didn't profess Christianity. Matter of fact, she lived a pretty, uh, well, she didn't live a holy life from what I can gather. And you're seeing a video of a scene of the brother of the man who was shot, who is testifying and speaking directly to Amber, the cop who shot her brother, who was innocent. 
And he just said on there, I'm not speaking for my family, but I want you to know I love you. Continue to play. This in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what Botham would want you to do. His brother's and name is Botham. Give your life to Christ. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please. Yes. Put up that next picture of the hug. I want you to see this hug, this embrace that you just saw a few seconds. And then I've got one more picture and we're going to close. Here's the thing. See that judge? Wiping the tears from her eyes? There is some Holy Ghost movement going on in that courtroom. A young man who has lost his brother to a senseless way has the power to look the woman in her eyes and say I don't want to say anything bad about you all I know is I want you to know Christ as Lord and Savior Can I give her a hug? Now, I read where his family wasn't on the same page as him. They may get there. They may be there now. I don't know, but not at that time. This young man, to me, is the epitome of being filled with the spirit of the living God and understanding the forgiveness that had been given to him. And it, listen, it wasn't easy for him. Did you see him doing this? He, he was as uncomfortable and, and struggling as anybody in their natural mind would, but he understood this is what God has done for me. I must do this for those who have hurt our family the most. In the last picture, I want you to see this because this is a God thing as well, is that that judge, she comes down from the bench and she goes over to Amber this police officer that's getting ready to serve time in jail for this killing. And I don't know if you can see it very well, but there's a book that's been placed right in front of Amber. 
And my understanding is, the story is recorded, is that it is the personal Bible of this judge that she was giving to Amber to take with her to jail. Is that not awesome? God is still working. God is still on the move. God is still helping his children forgive when it seems like the world that we're sold on the latest television news channel, that it's all falling apart. And folks, it is falling apart. It's got to for Jesus to come back. But let me tell you something. God is still working in his people. Will you stand with me this morning? Here's what I want you to be reminded of. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sin. Forgive them. Because when we refuse to forgive, that bitterness takes hold. And my prayer is, is that from the day forward that Stoneville Pentecostal Holiness Church and the beautiful people that make it Stoneville Pentecostal Holiness Church are going to draw together in the power of Almighty God, are going to be calling one another and saying, listen, we're going to pray for each other. I'm not talking about just here at the altar. It is great. It is needed. I'm talking about during the week. I want you to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, listen, I had you on my heart and mind and the Holy Spirit. We're just going to pray right now. We're going to encourage one another. We want to make sure we've got clean hearts and pure hands. Because we want to be set up for what God has in store for the future. Amen, Brother Zab? We want to be ready for God. But I want to leave you with this. Don't wait for an under-shepherd. Be the church as you were this morning and as you're going to be tomorrow. Don't wait for the under-shepherd because the great shepherd is still using you to be his church. So now I just ask that you dig in, that you present yourself before this church leadership and say, folks, I'm here to serve. Where do you need me? What do you need me to do? If they say, well, I just need you to pray, then honestly commit to praying more. And say, Lord, give me directives of how I should pray. I'll be glad to join. We're going to get two or three people, and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray if there's any unforgiveness that is in our church body between one another, we're going to get that out of the way so that we can move forward. God has called us to move forward, and we don't want anything to prevent what God has in store for this community because this church is not called to minister to the people who call themselves members of Stoneville PH Church. This church is called to minister to this community and to communities around the world. You've already been doing that. You've already got evidence of what God is doing all around the world with people you don't even know, but there's people in this community that need to know Jesus, and God has equipped you, you, to help them. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, your son, who gives us often difficult words that we have to process in our heart, and it's not always easy, the words that you 
told us to live by. But, Lord, we know that you never said it was going to be easy, but you did promise that you would be there, that you would help us if we would turn to you. So, Lord, I believe my message for Stoneville PH Church today is where two or three are gathered in your name when it comes to being willing to forgive one another, that this church will be an example of the beauty of forgiving, of laying it down at your feet and saying, Lord, you said you would, you would apply justice. And Lord, I know you're going to do it in ways that I can't. And as we saw both of them this morning share with a woman who took her brother's life, he said, all I know is I want you to know Christ. And Lord, may that be our posture as men and women of God in here. And if you don't know Jesus personally, can I just remind you that today can be the day that you say, Jesus, here I am, I'm a sinner. I want to know you personally. I want to know your forgiveness personally. I want to understand what it means to receive forgiveness from a holy and perfect God, and I want to live for you so that I can forgive others, so that I can see others set free, so that I can share the wonderful good news that you have a place in eternity for those who trust and believe in the name the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you here today, call out to him right where you are. Church, if there's somebody in here that you need to forgive, I ask that the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart this morning and that you are going to pick up that phone and say, hey, I need to meet with you in person. Can we meet? Let's have some coffee together. I need to share with you my heart. And if you need to forgive Take it to your brother personally. And I'm praying they're going to receive it. You know the rest of the way. If they don't, do it as God has called you to do it and believe that he will be in the midst. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh in this place. Stir in the hearts and lives of all those gathered here. I pray for every leader, every council member, that, Lord Jesus, you're going to give them direction. You're going to give them peace and comfort. That, Lord, that they will not get anxious, but, Father, they will rest and trust in you, that they will grow stronger together in bond with you and with one another. That, Lord, they will go before your throne with boldness, but understanding, Lord, that this is your church, and, I, and they release it to you. And, that, Father, this church body will grow closer together than ever before being the church that you have called them to be. And I pray this over Stoneville Pentecostal Holiness Church in the name that is above every other name, the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Bishop, as he's coming, let me just remind you, I hope to see you tonight at 6 p.m. So excited that Stoneville is going to be able to host this regional gathering. There's going to be six other gatherings that are taking place all over Cornerstone Conference. So we're going to be in concerted effort tonight as we sing the praises of God and hear his word. So make sure you're back here tonight at six. God